martial artist is three entities. Mind, body, and spirit. You're listening to the Brooklyn USA podcast, an occasional audio love letter from Brooklyn to the world. And it's the mastery of those three things, or the unification of those three things that will make you superior, not the belt ranking. Each episode of our show sits in a different corner of life in Brooklyn, telling New York stories in the voice of the people. It's a way of training a person to be mentally sound as well. And this week, we're going behind the scenes of Flatbush Fists, our five-part video documentary series on the influence that martial arts has had on New York culture. So being introduced to those three things as white belt and then personifying them more as yellow and then green and purple and black is your goal, not to get more rank so you can do better kicks or win more trophies. I don't tend to think that those three formulas are being used today. First, series producers Charlie Hoxie, Kyrell Palmer, and Sasha Whittle introduce a few of the characters that they met along the way, who then share some never-before-heard stories, philosophical musings, and reflections on making the series. So get ready for a masterclass on the art of chess boxing and a journey back in time to when everybody was kung fu fighting in Brooklyn, USA. I'm Grandmaster Bill McLeod. I grew up here in Brooklyn, St. John's between Franklin and Clarkson. I've been studying martial arts since 1963. In, in being an instructor, you, you touch a lot of people, but some of the people you know, they, they stay with you because you bonded with them. You know, he was one of those guys. Chadwick Boseman, we call him Chad, right? Sensei Chad. He, he came in, humble guy, to study um, martial arts. He, he came from Howard University and when he came in, he was diligent about his commitment to training. He used to live on Lewis Avenue here in Brooklyn, right? I would call him, pick him up. We would come and we would train. So um, in the beginning, I didn't see him as a, a theatrical artist. I just seen him as somebody who wanted to learn martial arts, right? I didn't know his background, his theatrical background. We, we trained, but not only did we train, we, we sat and talked. We talked about cultural stuff. We talked about spiritual stuff. We talked about the industry. We talked about the gatekeepers that was there, that you had to bypass to, in order to get to different places and stuff. We talked about everything. We hung out. I would take him over to some of my friend's house. We would hang. We would go down to Chinatown. We would hang. And um, I seen a play that he produced. The play was awesome. This was when I started to take notice to these guys. I was like, wow, these guys, it's like, really? And I just thought that these guys was just there to do martial arts. I didn't understand 
this other aspect of these guys and their artistry. His thing was actually writing and directing. He, he really didn't want to be an actor. He got catapulted to be an actor and he just ran with it. When he told me he was gonna play Jackie Robinson, right? I was like, get out of here. You know, you gonna play Jackie Robinson? Yeah, tell me who he's playing with, Harrison Ford. Get out of here. That's some big stuff, man. And he did it and he blew it out the water. So, so we, was, we was in here working out one day and he said, uh, yo, guess where I'm going to be playing? I said, oh, he said, James Brown. I said, man, get the F out of here. I said, How you, you can, have you ever seen the James Brown show? James Brown was like going to a religious experience. His performance, I said, you can't even dance. How you gonna play James Brown? He killed it. So when he told me that uh, he was gonna be playing the uh, Black Panther, and I said, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. So when Panther came out, he, he asked specifically for me to come to Bodyguard to work with him and stuff, so I did and stuff. That was an experience. See, a lot of people don't know the martial art aspect of who he was. It augmented the things that he did, all of the other things it did. His martial art background carried him through a lot of the things that he did. You know, a lot of the stunts and stuff he did because of his martial art background. The character of this guy was phenomenal, right? He, he tested black belt here. The test was grueling. So in the fighting segment of the test, I think he was fighting with Shion Damien, right? And Damien hit him inside the head with a roundhouse. I jumped up and screamed, yo! Well, you hit this guy like that, man. You're gonna, ruin, you're gonna ruin his career. He said, no. He said, it's all right. Let it go, let it go. Let's finish this. So he had that warrior spirit, you know? So how you get to really know a person is when you've been in the trenches with him. I've been in the trenches with this guy. I seen who he was outside of the dojo under real pressure that the guy stood up beyond who he became in terms of the film industry and stuff. He was a real guy. You know, in, in, in darkness, you can see who the stars are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was one of those guys. Phenomenal guy. And um, he's somebody that's be, you know, he's going to be greatly missed. When Annie Elman was introduced to karate in the 1970s, she immediately saw its potential as a tool for female empowerment. After meeting Nadia Telsey at a dojo run by Sensei Gerald Orange. Annie eventually co-founded Brooklyn Women's Martial Arts with her, 
to create a safe space for women to discuss issues of sexual violence and learn self-defense. Today, Annie continues to work with women and gender non-conforming people in the borough, imparting the generational wisdom, strength, and resilience she found in the art form so many decades ago. Okay, we're gonna start. Let's just take a moment. Feel your feet rooting into the earth, soften the knees. Take five breaths on your own. I started taking a women's karate class and moving across the floor, doing kicks with other women. I just had a really inner sense that this could be really important for women. When you're finished, eyes open if they were closed, and let's begin. No matter your age, no matter your size, no matter your feelings about your body or what you think your physical abilities are, all of us can learn to defend ourselves. My name is Annie Elman. I'm one of the co-founders of Brooklyn Women's Martial Arts. And lock your hands. Great job. And punch. In the early 70s, women were getting together, and one of the things that was being talked about was sexual violence against women. It was a time of really wanting to do things that women had never done before. So women were learning how to do all different kinds of skills that supposedly only men could do. And martial arts was a big one. First teacher in New York that I studied with for a while was Nadia Telsey, who co-founded Brooklyn Women's Martial Arts with me. She was teaching in a dojo that Gerald Orange was the sensei. It was very unusual for the 70s for a man to both have a women's karate class in his dojo, but also let that class be led and taught by a woman. I also felt that because of being a black man that he really understood oppression. And I think he was very unusual that he translated that to how did it feel to be a woman? How did it feel to be powerless? And this is the eye gouge here. Hip moves first. I feel like so much of my adult life has been shaped by you. And I could really fall to pieces because it's so extraordinary what I learned from you and that I had the privilege to be able to teach so many people. You are our source. You know, I've always loved women, and sometimes it, it, in my life I've seen some that were mistreated, and, and it really bothered me. It bothered me. I wanted them to have something that they could do to make this threat, you know, disappear, dissipate, evaporate. Yeah, and I wanted them to annihilate. <laughs> no, you did. No, you imparted that to yeah. us in such a deep way yeah. that it really made it possible for us to go and share it. I remember you go in any dojo, you know, and, and there was, and, and they had, even if they had women in the dojo, they didn't have certain things in the bathrooms. That was one of the first things I noticed. It the was tampons in there, yeah. I could not believe it, yeah. that oh, there yeah. was like a dojo that was caring about what women needed. That showed me. So I decided to start teaching in Brooklyn. 
Women come to self-defense classes for a lot of different reasons, but mostly every woman feels the real threat of violence that's around us all the time, whether they've been particularly attacked or abused or felt it with somebody in their family. What was really interesting about our early days is that every weekend we were out, you know, doing demonstrations. We were at gay pride marches since the 70s. Participating in the pride demonstrations were really important for a lot of us because it was being open and proud. When I came out, it was no doubt a really, really important experience. I came from a family that was supportive, so it made it a, a kind of a different experience. Um, but certainly there is a way that it really did make me define who I was and feel my center and my core. Um, feeling who I was and letting people know because a lot of us when we were in the closet it really became a situation where like you didn't have a life that you talked about. You went places and people talked about their partners or their homes or their um, parties that they went to and when you're in the closet you're just quiet. Loud noise or yell no or yell something in your language just make noise okay yeah. as we strike and I'm gonna count okay and one we come to you as martial artists we come with empty hands my name is Demetria Takumbo and I moved to Brooklyn in 2001. The Brooklyn court system wasn't very supportive and they kept setting up meetings where I had to be alone with my ex-husband and it was like the court didn't consider my safety. Our family social worker recommended that uh, we take self-defense. The first time that I went to CAE, it was for a free workshop for survivors. I felt held. These women saw me in need and, and pulled together and saw me through a very difficult time in my life. I felt that I needed to keep my kids there. You know, even though I was working and couldn't make it to my karate classes, I wanted to make sure that my children stayed connected to that community. It was really important to see multiple different types of people being able to do this similar movement their own way. I feel like being in CAE, a lot of the teachers were, were queer and just were. I don't know, I don't want to get emotional, but I feel like, for me, like it didn't feel safe in school to be myself. Mm. And I wasn't okay with being myself. It was, it was seeing women being themselves at CAE and other spaces that really like, the same way I was getting messages that I wasn't valuable and that I should hide right. who I am, I was also getting messages that I should love who I am and that I can still create community. I don't have to be isolated. I can still be myself and be mercy and be joyful with the identities that I hold. Okay, okay, grab me. Okay, okay. 
I kind of feel like I grew up in the world of martial arts and activism. And there was an amazing fit as we are developing, you know, individual and collective strength. Palms facing away, inhale. And we always say that martial arts is transformative. Shoulders to the fingertips, one energy line. In March 1997, the Center for Anti-Violence Education celebrated June Jordan, and she wrote this poem. And I think about the Brooklyn Women's Martial Arts, your incredible success of 22 years and still doing it. And I wonder where this beginning of women's self-defense will take you, take us, 22 years from now. Will you be traveling to villages in India and cities in China? And will you be hosting sister visitors from Ireland and from Afghanistan and from Nigeria? Will you be women traveling from here and going elsewhere or women from elsewhere coming here to share the ever-increasing collective strength of women united to possess the entire world as our exhilarating, open, safe space? With the advent of spring, I say, we'll see. Brooklyn rapper Holly Ali initially sought out martial arts as a means of protecting himself on the streets at night. After studying with Master Raleigh Lumumba Hernandez, Ali eventually found a greater sense of purpose in the art form, applying the principles and discipline of Tai Chi to his artistic music practice. In this story, we follow Ali from the stage to the studio to a playground in Brooklyn, where he practices martial arts with the members of his community and traces the legacy of the borough's fascination with the art form from his pioneering elders to the torchbearers of tomorrow. As an artist, I was never this disciplined before I really got deep into martial arts. There's two ways you can live. You can build or you can destroy. You know what I'm saying? I choose to build and add on, elevate. Grandmaster Moses Powell. Okay, I'm not going to keep you long, but let me just say this. The man that you're about to see is a living legend. We're not talking about Bruce Lee. We're not talking about Steven Seagal. We're not talking about Chuck Norris. We're talking about a living legend. Perhaps one of the greatest martial artists and black martial artists of all time. Let's give our due to the Grand Master. Come on, y'all can do better than that. In the summer of 66, I was looking for martial arts. Moses Powell was known, and I started training with him. 
and I went all the way down to until he died. My name is Rolly Lumumba Hernandez. I'm famously known as Lumumba. I'm a Grandmaster Sunukas Jiu-Jitsu. I'm also a teacher in uh, Tai Chi. They was going in tournaments. I was winning, and they didn't realize I was winning. And when he first came with me to Master's Square Garden, the old one, I won. He was glad of all that, and we started going in tournaments. I was teaching Jiu-Jitsu, Sunukas Jiu-Jitsu for a long time. And as I get older, I survived prostate cancer. So I started being more careful about my body. And I wanted to become more healthy and more energetic and more alive. But I think that teaching martial arts, right, I think it develops a person's knowledge. We want to show people that we don't need to fight. What do you need to use our minds and solve problems and develop each other as a better human beings in society. On Saturdays, I teach at Jack Robinson Park for anybody free. But I remember I was in City Hall getting an award, and he was down there. And he came to me, and he started doing martial arts, and then I started doing Tai Chi with him. It's, it's coming to be very good. First thing I asked the man in relative to that stuff was, um, you deal with any kind of religion and all that? No, I deal with the universe. Nature is all. Well, show me something past the elements, and I'll call you a liar, bro. You know what I mean? So that's the understanding we have. You know what I mean? It's like our relativity to all things. Once I seen he seen that, it was kind of like a, I don't got to reach for nothing. I'm receiving. Now the people were busy and the children were laughing at their work and play. You have to always think about everything. And that's the beautiful part about what we practice in our art. We don't practice no rinky-dink shit. So you put it on somebody, it better had been, because you had to. Because many people that are predators don't want to get hurt. Their point is not to just eat. It's to eat safely. Let us do as much as we can to neutralize it and make our way home. It's not to proud on others. I'd rather have the ability to hunt and never have to than to be one to not know how one hunts and how I can be prey. Your mind projects what you do physically. The science of being able to fluctuate sound the same way I would move my body is dope. Practicing martial arts helps out with breathing and being able to just rhyme and fluidly and have breath control. Yo, 
the same way I do Qigong exercise where I have to tighten my stomach up, maybe it's the same way I would do when I'm actually recording. Keep my stomach tight and allow just the breathing. To just flow. So I can definitely take the way I move my body and translate that into a sound. It's like I didn't have the discipline to learn the things that were really tough and really hard. At first, it was like my discipline with music is what kept a certain discipline when I first was introduced into the martial arts. So it's like a cycle of disciplines that's just keeping me focused because they're my interests. And that's what I notice with music and martial arts. I lose no interest. He's a natural. He comes to class all the time, he practices. And I need a person like that, young people, to show the real martial arts. Because I'm getting older now, I don't need to make myself popular anymore. I need younger people to get more popular and more concerned about their, their activity. For me, it's big that Grandmaster Lumumba's idea is to keep, you know, the knowledge flowing through the youth. Moses Powell was a man. He was a great man. I have no ambitions to never not mention the legacy. You know, just to be one that's there to be able to, you know, gravitate people to add on to the cipher. What I would want people to get from this part of my story and what Grandmaster Lumumba's story or Dr. Moses Powell's story or Sanukas of the Tai Chi is, you are able to do whatever you strive to do. You may not always necessarily have the immediate resources or the immediate wherewithal or the immediate support that you may want. But as long as you stay focused, you can accomplish what you gotta do. I'm not done accomplishing my goals in life. Congratulations again to what is the bottom row of my Zoom screen on the epic release this weekend. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so good. It was crazy there at the end. Thanks for pulling through, Charlie. <laughs> so great. I'm like still a little shell-shocked. <laughs> yeah, you had a, a crazy week. Um, do you guys have any takeaways or anything that you learned? Any, uh, I learned so much, but did you um, have any, anything you want to say about the series or the process or favorite parts or uh, any reflecting? We're back in the reflecting pool. I feel like this, uh project really helped me become more organized and more detailed as an editor 
with the back and forth um, of suggestions and notes and whatnot, it really helped me like put things into a different perspective and a different way to like approach it and stuff. Nice. So I feel like it helped me grow as an editor and as a producer because I had to step out of my comfort zone and continue to, you know, reach out to, um, like, with Holly, Ali and whatnot to get him to do the final interview. And it turned out very well because it, it was a good piece to add to. So yeah. I feel like it helped me grow as a, um, as a producer overall. Amazing. Nice. Charlie, any, any reflecting? Um... Well, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'm still, like, digesting it all, but um, it was awesome, like, getting to work with Kyrell and Sasha and just, like, you know, starting with um, just this idea of, like, trying to film, like, really purely starting from, like, just imagining that the visuals would be so cool of, like, filming people doing martial arts and then, you know, kind of me, Kyrell, and Sasha putting our heads together and slowly, and with you as well, Sasha. Um, I, you said Sasha once. I feel like it counts for both of us. <laughs> Sasha squared. Exactly. Um, yeah, just seeing it like slowly take shape and then like Kyrell and Sasha having, taking like this great initiative with like going out and finding these awesome characters to like help bring the idea to life and then just yeah like you know uncovering this world of um amazing people and stories and like you know feeling like we really tapped into something um that like needed to be shared and just was kind of like waiting for people to come along and do it justice so yeah, it was it was great. I feel, you know, it's it's really cool to see how it all came together and um, and yeah, and the really like I mean like the last couple weeks and then the last week being so intense. Like I just kind of at a certain point like just was trying to stop caring too much and like to keep from going crazy. Just like really focusing on like, well, the most important thing is that the people in the series feel good about it. And that's really like all that matters. And uh, so that seems to have happened. So, so I feel good. Like Charlie said, overall, I just love the way that it all came back full circle. Cause it just started off a small idea of um, about martial arts in Brooklyn. And then it just expanded to New York and then touching on Moses Powell. Then it, reaching down to his students and then like his legacy and stuff. So I just love the fact that it's just a small idea just then spewed onto this whole big project and everything in my, my idea, I feel like it all just aligns perfectly together. Yeah, I, um, I completely agree. And my like two, my two takeaways or I don't know, my reflections are um, and what I said at the staff meeting a few weeks ago, but like just the way that this community revealed itself through all of these stories and like how intertwined they were was so amazing. And you guys did such a great job capturing and highlighting that. Um, but then also last week I looked at the original deck, the like pitch deck for the project. And um, I think what you guys ended up with is so much stronger than that, that first idea that was sort of 
more academic and encyclopedic and so like yeah real human human people doing stuff it was I don't know it ended up so so beautifully so and the graphics of course Yay. which also have <laughs> been in play from that pitch deck until Wednesday at like 2 p.m. <laughs> this is a long haul maybe um, and they just they look so amazing still. Yeah, I had I had such a wonderful, wonderful experience for this project. I mean, it took us like a long period of time, right? Which is actually made me more chance to think, more like think through step by step. And then sometimes we go to this way and that way. And then we had so much energy, so much like concept, you know, everything put into the project. So I really appreciated everybody's support and then like all those like the discussions and then I mean the subject matter it's already very very strong <laughs> and very very attractive so that's the big thing and then that's why I had such a wonderful time thank you thank you so much I really appreciate it <laughs> it's like I mean they're it's so epic like I'm just remembering like down to the like the text like customizing the text in the open <laughs> yeah. like you really paid all the attention necessary <laughs> Oh my God, this project, it's a really complex. It's really, yeah, it was a really complicated. So many layers, it's so much more. And I also really appreciate that like everybody's input, input, it's not just don't give up. It's like, oh, we can do this, do this. And the more and the more, I really appreciate that because that creates go to next level. I think we all did to go to next level, definitely. Yeah, so it's a great collaboration. Thank you. Yeah, that's such a good, yeah, everyone really. Emily, any takeaways? from the full watch down or I know you watched it in pieces uh, yeah on the back end, but did I did think? it was a really it was a really interesting way to watch it actually it was kind of cool to see like little things change and see the final version this weekend and yeah you all just did such a spectacular job and um all the characters are just so oh yeah everyone did so great and the graphics are obviously beautiful so congratulations all came together in a really stunning way <laughs> hello hello sorry about that this hey, is like okay. usually the time that people in iran call me like my mom my aunts and all that and i feel so bad like cutting them off and they just go on and on so i'm really really sorry for oh. <laughs> Are, is everyone okay? I know it was a tough weekend. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like just hanging in there. My aunt just called me, and she was like, she really, she was like freaking out because she needed help with her Twitter <laughs> because she feels like she needs to tweet from Iran and show the world how people. So she was like, so I was teaching her how to do Twitter, and she's like sixty. You know, I was basically showing like a nearly like sixty-five-year-old woman how to how to tweet so she felt like it was a life and death situation (laughs) sorry um well you missed the flatbush fist reflection pool but it is being recorded um that did you have anything you wanted to say about the series if you had time to watch it down this weekend any uh feedback or takeaways or further thoughts i only watched one episode but i will watch it again uh, I mean, I will watch it today. I loved that one episode. It was so, so good. Which one did it, they put on? The one with the... Um, not episode the one. Yeah, episode oh. one. Yeah. 
and it was just, it was just so amazing and you know like I love the way you guys incorporated the archival stuff um, you know and it really sets up the whole series because it really showed how um, the impact of, of um, martial arts in Brooklyn so yeah pretty cool well done very Thanks, yeah Mary. I will just say like the fact like well, BTS, like that was the last episode to come together to the point where Charlie did one of those interviews like two weeks ago and yeah. just and like the other one like three weeks ago. And I'm just so impressed and it like really did, you know, it's like when you write the first line of your novel, it's like the yeah. last thing that you write. It was like very much that vibe of like, okay, we have the whole thing. And he was just like, all right, what do we need to like kick it off? And um like very cool editorially and then also just like the fact that like all of this was shot before and now like there were actual like face masks shots in it mm -hmm. I think was very very important um yeah like I love the scenes with the with them doing martial arts with face masks yeah when did you um film that so yeah some of it was like back in I think August were they open? Uh, like were the do like were the do like the well, yeah, so um both of those guys in that first episode, it's the same way that they talk about like Moses Powell's school. It's not like the type of school with like signs on the street, like come in and sign up. Um it's more like a community where you know people know about it and they've been doing it for a long time. So I think it's yeah, he just, you know, he already had the the people and and the place where they do it. I think they've been doing classes there for a really long time. It's like the Police Athletic League in East New York. Um, so yeah, I think they just, they had the time slot and just everybody had to wear masks. And um, I don't know if it's still going on or not. I don't know how it's weathered the, the recent um, surge, but it's just funny how like the, um, so we did that filming with Hassan in like August and then that interview with Bill a couple of weeks ago but then the first interview with Hassan we did like over a year ago <laughs> and so we like we we're like we don't really know what episode one is going to be but like Hassan should probably be in it and you know interviewed him about a whole lot of things not really knowing exactly like what the focus of the episode was going to be and just yeah for like the like one of the first things to come together with like one of the last things we filmed to that just yeah kind of made sense I guess yeah and on the other side of that the last episode also was shot you know a year ago and then once you know through like the last month of all those meetings and email threads of like Charlie and Kyrell did such an amazing job of just identifying like what note it needed to end on and Kyrell went back and re-interviewed the rapper to like make sure that we got all the right lines and it just like buttoned up the whole series so perfectly so thank you guys for the extra mileage and something is happening in my kitchen cool um cool i think we can call it the day on this meeting amazing um thank you guys thank you yeah Cool. Yeah. All right.
Enjoy your rainy days. What the hell is that sound? Um, enjoy <laughs> your rainy days. Really, at the core of it, it's all about unconditional love and, and faith. Um, you know, all things are valid, all perceptions are valid, all dimensions exist inside this dimension, dimension, outside this dimension, and inside of us. Always have a problem with that, you know, because, you know, when you get my age especially, there's so much to pack in. Well, introduce yourself. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I got to go back. I got to concise 56 years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my name is Time Out. It, it means striking ego. You know, I got uh, known for a film I did many years ago when I was a little uh, kid, like 19, called The Last Dragon, and I played Bruce Leroy. And um, I... And, and I got into the studies of acting after the film. I was an actor before. I was a martial artist. I competed in karate and kickboxing, and, and I enjoyed it and still enjoy it to this day. So um, during the pandemic, I'm sure many people uh, have gone deeper, you know, like, <laughs> why this? Why now? I, I just started a new business. Uh, I just had a kid. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to get in shape. They're closing all the gyms. Uh, all those questions come up for people, and there's many that came up to me. I take care of my mother financially, you know. It just occurred all the different things I've studied throughout the years, and some things that were sparked by Bruce Lee when I was a kid that I didn't quite understand, and uh the, all the meditation I did growing up, trying to find my inner self and inner power and all these things and studying ontology for many years and reading books, so forth. One of the things that came up for me, which was uh, different philosophers all the time, uh, you know, Descartes and, uh, you know, Einstein, the concept of time. Nobody really had a take on how to explain, you know, Einstein had the theory of relativity. So we we know that Time is real, obviously, because we have to make our schedule. So that was part of the construct that I noticed that human beings lived inside of, you know, that we live inside of time. I've got to go to work. I've got to have this by then, deadlines. And all those things at the same time, if that's true, this reality, this reality we live on can also, the unknown also could be true. It's all about the unknown and the known. As far as time and behavior is concerned, it's so ingrained in us, right? We we think we're going to accomplish something by a certain amount of time. We have to be at work a certain amount of time. Stress levels. You don't know what's coming in the next second except the other now. Yet your pretend self has to act out a level of control because you feel out of control. And there's no way around that because... It's, a, it's like a dog chasing up its own tail. It's a hamster on the wheel. It will go on forever until you break it with accepting that you don't have control. None of us do. We can only be in the moment and, and, and take heed at what's in front of us and being present and be thankful that we're alive because we're given this moment. For myself, my only way to relate to others is to drop my judgment and, and meet them where they are uh, in the moment, not based on the past and the future, which takes courage. You know, the, the old saying that uh, you search for the truth 
over there and over here and everywhere else. You travel the world and globe. When you come to truth, you realize it was right in front of you like a sticky mask stuck on your face your entire life. It was too close for you to see. The genius is in you, that God within. It's in there. That's what Bruce Lee talked about, right? Bruce Lee said, uh, empty your mind, be formless, shapeless like water. Water can flow, stream, or crash, be water. He's talking about the unknown. Water is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. The known is predictable, and that's safety for us, but it's an illusion of safety. When my, my father got me into martial arts when I was young, I didn't know how much uh, that need to protect myself and, and learn how to fight physically was important to me. And my need for something deeper than just combat was always with me. When I saw Bruce Lee, it woke up the chi in me. And, uh, you know, I got that role. And uh, here we are today. I'm known for that film, you know, The Last Dragon. Uh, so I see a direct parallel with, with the film and its story about looking within, the true master lies within. And I see the direct parallel with what I'm talking about today. The thing that I got most from the martial arts was discipline. You know, if I put my mind to something, I can make it happen through rituals. And if you uh, step out of that concept of time, that if I only have a certain amount of time, martial arts gave me a lot of uh, beliefs that if I work hard at something, no matter what it is, I can build a house, you know no matter how big or small. You know, discipline and, and, and humbleness to, to learn from others, you know. You can get anything you want, I believe. Brooklyn USA's Flatbush Fests was produced by me, Charlie Hoxie. And me, Carol Palmer. And me, Sasha Whittle. And me, Ayumi Sato. And me, Emily Bogosian. And me, Shirin Barri. And me, Aziz Aishim. And me, Sasha Mathias. Thank you to Lydia Dean Pilcher, Catherine Rodriguez, Brooklyn Women's Martial Arts, the Center for Anti-Violence Education, Kayo Itachi, Ilya Schnitzer, Franklin Grant, Mohamed Abou Al-Wafa, Emmanuel Alexandre Jr., and Jonathan Rivera for their help getting these stories out into the world. Please check the show notes for a link to the series page to watch all five episodes and to see the full credits. And while you're there, click the link for our listener survey to let us know what keeps you tuned into Brooklyn, USA. As always, if you want to tell us a story or somehow end up on the podcast, check the show notes for a link to our guide on recording a voice memo and sending it in. If you like what you hear or think we missed something, comment, like, share, and subscribe, and follow at BrickTV on Twitter and Instagram for updates. For more information on this and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org slash radio. And me, Sasha Whittle. Why do I say my name so weird? You don't. So, and me, Sasha Whittle. That was weird. iPhone D. <laughs>